Welcome to another episode of That Changed My Life podcast. We are incredibly excited for today's guest, Ben Handler, who is the founder of the Buyer's Agent Institute. He also has a CRM for Buyer's Agent called Agent Mate, which is a fantastic opportunity to get into having your CRM working seamlessly um, and everything working for you in the business. We're so excited to have Ben here today. Ben, what is your top recommendation from the previous week? A tea meditation. I've only done it in Byron Bay. So I did it last week. It's called Hidden Cloud. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give too much away, but it's a, it's a pretty unique experience. So it's called Hidden Cloud. It's called Hidden Cloud. It's a tea meditation. It's very different. We're definitely going to really check that out. That. <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting. You have me very intrigued. Yeah, I don't, don't want to talk too much about it because yeah. I, I want... Enough said. Yeah, you girls or whoever's listening to explore for themselves. Amazing. Let's try it out. Yeah. So this is a question that we love to ask um, and it's if you were at a dinner table and someone asked you, what do you do? How would you respond? I'd more, I'd answer the question like this. I'm creative, disciplined, generous. I fucking love animals and I've got a deep appreciation for life. I love that answer and I think it takes a lot of self-discovery and self-worth to understand the traits that who you want to be and become that person and then that's more a measure of success as opposed to what you do Mm. so how did you initially start that self-discovery journey and understand that your success are these metrics as opposed to what you do so Let's, let's start at the top where you just finished off. So I used to define success about how much, you know, cash in bank, how much money you make, your revenue per month, all that stuff, right? Like that was my, I had Aston Martins, had all these cars, right? Like that was my success, we used to be my success metric, okay? So like materialistic stuff for me and how much cash I was generating. Like that's how I, that's how, that's how I was, um, I was totally identified with that, okay? Um, and then over time, I started to realise, hey, it's not making me happier. I'm actually more miserable for me. And so I think to answer your question, it was more just through self-awareness that started to break apart over time. And over time and over time and over time, I started to then look at myself going, okay, like all this shit's not making me happy. Um, what is it that's actually going to start to drive fulfilment? What's going to start making me um, wake up in the morning just more excited, more invigorated. And it was getting to really understand what exactly it is that I, or who I wanted to become. And then working out like, who am I? And what do I want to live by each day? You could call them values. Um, And starting each day around embodying those values. And then that's how I started to walk through life. Was that your own self-awareness and self-discovery? Or did someone spark that in you, like a mentor? Yeah, I, I've, got a, I've got quite a lot of coaches. One of my coaches actually in San Francisco. Um, she's coming here in two weeks. Uh, she's in her 60s. And so I met her about six years ago. And so that was a catalyst for a lot of my change. Um, she was instrumental to me looking at my life differently and how I wanted to live my life. And um, she's had a massive impact on my life, yeah. How important um, is it, do you think, to have a mentor? I always tell people, like, just look at look around you. So look at sports as an example. 
So you look at LeBron James or um, uh, Ash Barty or just best athletes in the world. They've all got coaches, all of them, the best soccer players, the best boxers. And so if you just look at that for what it is, it obviously works. It works. If it didn't work, it wouldn't be there. And so if you look at business, I then think, well, why if you want to be elite and or you want to be the best human being, the best um, at what you do professionally, whatever it is, right? Like what makes you think you don't need a coach or a mentor, whatever you want to call it? Like I, th- I think you'd be stupid not to have one. I think you're losing the game. You obviously have to get the right coach because you can end up with the wrong coach or mentor who can then take you backwards or may not progress you. So there's like that self-selection where you need to be discerning and work out um, who you want to work with. That's like a, a qualification and a bit of a due diligence process. But if you find the right coach, um, it's a fucking game changer. I've got a coach at the moment who I recently engaged like three months ago, four months ago. And do you want me to tell you a quick story? Absolutely. So uh, I was listening to a podcast, Tim Ferriss. I don't listen to a lot of his stuff anymore, but I was just listening to, um, I don't know what happened. I was, there was a, an episode with him and Hugh Jackman. And I was like, I'll listen to this dude, like Hugh. Like I'd never, I know who he is, but I've never heard him speak before. Like I don't know much about Hugh Jackman. So I, just, I said, fuck it, I'll listen to it. So I started listening to it and he's like, I think Tim Ferriss has done two sessions with him, like two interviews. So you got to listen to, I think the first one. He's the most like incredible human being. Like so much humility. Like when he got on the podcast with Tim Ferriss, he's like, like this guy's ultra successful at what he does, right? Like, Incredible. like ultra. And he gets on there and he wasn't joking. He's like, oh, you know, Tim, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. He's like, I'm a bit nervous being on here. Like I might say the wrong thing or don't really feel, basically I don't feel it really worthy to be on here, right? And so I started listening to the podcast and he said two things because I try and take away shit when I listen to these like podcasts or reading books or um. If I'm, if I'm immersing myself in an education process, it could be reading something, anything. I'm trying to work out what's the takeaway. So with Hugh Jackman, he said two things. He said, one, he said rowing has changed his life. He said that Tim asked him if there's one exercise you could do, what would it be? Because, you know, he's, he's, he's a very um, – he aesthetically looks amazing. He's very fit. And so he's probably got the best personal trainers in the world. So Tim said, what is one um, exercise you would do if you could do? And he said – rowing machine there's a reason why the row is always fucking empty he said because it's really hard so he suggested like 2,000 meters four times a week in, in eight minutes so that's what I do right and then the second thing he said I started that the next day second thing he said was he's got a coach and this lady has transformed his life right I was like fuck who's this chick you got her so he said this this lady called Lauren Lauren Zander she um so I'm, after the thing, I've wrote it down. I'm on Instagram. I, I'm like, who's this lady? You know, she's transformed this guy's life. Like, I'm, I'm, I want in. So anyway, cuts to her long story. I, 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 t- I DM'd her on Instagram. She ghosted me, ghosted me, ghosted me. Like, she works with all the, the biggest celebrities, right? Ghosted, ghosted, ghosted. About a year later, which was about four months ago from today, I DM'd her again. And she said, what's up? And then we got chatting. And now she's my coach. And... I know it's a long-winded um, response, but in the four months working with her, getting back to your question, how important is a mentor? Um, like, 
I've seen radical transformation in my life. Like her, 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 her way of teaching is in Harvard and Yale. Like it's in universities and she's not some random fucking life coach that just talks shit and gets you to journal and sing Kumbaya and stuff. Like her frameworks are in a lot of the top universities around the world and I've had a massive, massive impact. Wow. So. And imagine if you just gave up after the first DM. And how important it is to continue to you know, keep going after what you want as well. Yeah, I think we all have choice. And so if you want something, it's just up to you how, how hard you, you want to go with getting it. And so if this lady is ignoring me, I'm just going to keep going. And she may not get back to me and that may not go nowhere. And that's just maybe the path. But I guess if you really want something, um, I think we all work out ways to, to get there. Or to get it. Have you always had this growth mindset? Um, yeah, I don't have a fixed mindset. I, I'm, I'm always open for debate and for um, to be proven wrong or to um, have that strong belief that I can improve. So I think it's always been pretty innate. Um, but it's, it's challenging. Like, you know, Instagram, social, all that shit, it's just like everyone's smiling and it's a lot of bullshit. Like life's fucking challenging. Mm-hmm. And that, that's something that's not portrayed, I think, online around the struggles of entrepreneurship properly around the days. And it's not until you hear about people's stories as entrepreneurs on podcasts, like you realise just how tough it is. Like, you know, people about to go bankrupt, like they're days away from... And you only hear that when you hear that person get interviewed, but you see them smiling online all the time. And so I think that Every day is challenging in its own way, but it's around how you want to, resp- you know, how you respond to it. And what would be some ways that you respond to a challenging day? Like, what's the ways that you have really solidified your mindset so that you know if something comes up that is a challenge, you've got this? I changed my approach like last week for that. Okay. I listened to a podcast. I don't listen to podcasts heaps. I listen to like three. I listen to All In Podcasts as a tech podcast. I listen to The Diary of a CEO. I listen to Joe Rogan. That's really it. They're my three go-to. So I don't, I don't sit, I know I'm mentioning, I don't do it all day, right? But someone sent me a podcast about a guy called Ben Crow, and he was with Mark Burris. He's a, he's a, he's a mindset coach. He's, he works with very good athletes. Um very good athletes and very large companies like Facebook and stuff. And to answer your question is, I listened to that podcast. I was like, okay, what what am I going to take away here? What am I going to take away? And he gave a framework around how to deal with shit, you know, because the day is challenging and there's actually two things. So one of the, one of the equations that I used to use to deal with things was E plus R equals O event plus response equals outcome. You can't control the event. I can't control someone driving in here right now with their car and smashing into what we're doing now, right? I can't control the outcome like they're going to break my leg, right? But I can control the R, which is the response. And we can always control the response. It's hard, but we can. that's the only thing we can control. So E plus R equals O is an equation that I use to deal with these things. But this guy, Ben Crow, getting back to that, I think his name's Ben Crow, he calls it the triple A, First is agency, so take control. So like if I, if I, I got a bad sleep last night, as I got actually a pretty bad sleep. So I woke up in the morning and I was like, fuck, like I'm not f- like alive like I am, but I still went down to the beach with Cooper and I went for a run. So I took control and just said, I'm going to go for a run, right? Then I, the second A is acceptance. I accepted I've not had the best sleep 
and I'm just going to give today 120% with the hours that I've got today, right? So acceptance, right? The last is appreciation. Just thinking about like, I'm in the Goldie today, I get to meet you guys, it's fucking great, it's an opportunity to speak with you, to connect with you, um, I get to see parts of the Gold Coast I haven't seen before and I get to just do phone calls in the car and catch up on heaps of shit. So that AAA is a framework that I learned from him around what he teaches athletes and then the equation E plus R equals O is something that I also use. You did touch on acceptance there and then also appreciation. Is gratefulness something that you have taken through your practices with mindset as well? I used to, but I'm pretty bad at it. I'm very harsh on myself. Mm-hmm. I've got very high expectations of what I want to do and who I want to be and what I want to become. And so I'm, I struggle with that. I struggle to actually look throughout the day and just think about um, just because I'm, I'm quite harsh with myself. So I haven't really got to that stage yet of really um, being able to be grateful for things mm-hmm. yet, maybe one day. But you can still choose to appreciate things. Yeah, I've got an appreciation for things. Like I've got a good appreciation for things and it comes naturally like for animals and for my partner, Rachel, and for the things that I care about. Yeah. Um, but uh, I wouldn't say that, you know, like some people have gratitude journals and yeah. probably spend time being grateful for things. Um, I don't. And maybe that's something, that's probably something I've got to work on. I really like what you said about acceptance as well. I think that, you know, myself in the past as well and a lot of people that I speak with, Often the, you know, fear, anxiety, stress, whatever, it comes from not actually accepting your current reality. Mm. And then that moment when you can accept that is when you can move from that victim mindset, you know, into how can I actually create this? How can I create my life? And I think that's a really important message that you shared. Mm. We call it front row at the victim show. Mm. I think a lot of people are victims. And I think the reason a lot of people are victims unfortunately is because this society especially where we are in australia that they accept victims it's okay to be a victim it's almost praise yeah it's like you're unhappy you're not doing well um it's why there's so many trolls online so like socials like i don't look at my social but it's why i think there's they're all victims they're jealous they're envious of all these people they haven't gone out there and really probably gave it a proper go or multiple goes and they're victims and the whole world's against them we always say and like other people say that anyone that's doing better than you or a circle that's doing better than you would never be putting you down. Like they wouldn't be spending their their time on anything like that. Yeah. You need to be very, I think, careful who you spend time with. Like I'm very careful. Like I typically don't meet up with a lot of people. If someone's going to drain my energy and suck my battery, like they can get fucked. Like they, they won't, they won't get my time. Your energy. They won't get it. Um, and I don't mean that in a rude way. It's just like you, what you said is you, you want to spend time with people who genuinely want to see you win, who are going to support you when things are bad. Um, and they're people you can – it's okay for you to be vulnerable with and say, hey, I'm having a shit day. Um, and they might give you some tips on like how to deal with it. So they actually add value to your life as well. Um, they don't just listen to your bullshit. I think you want friends as well who call you out on shit. So you don't want the, the friends who just sit there and nod their head and say, fuck, you know, I agree with you all the time. You want friends who are going to challenge – or a network, a community, whatever you want to call it, that are going to challenge you and call you out on your bullshit. Because I think that we all get complacent, including me, around our bullshit. And you need people to kind of – like sh- not just coaches, but friends in your circle to say, hey, cut that shit out. 
what's probably been the toughest thing in your circle that someone's called you out on? At the time, it was tough, I guess. Um, <laughs> so I went through an exercise recently with, with my coach, Lauren, where she basically said, get Rachel, my partner, um, to write a shit list on you. And I said, you know what, Rach, just go, go to fucking town. Like, write this shit list, like, go hard. Like, go really hard on everything. So, what's the shit list? The shit list is everything that, pi- that, that pisses her off about me. Everything. Like, it could be snoring. I don't snore, but it could be that, right? And so, she wrote about six pages from memory. It was full on. And so, I think just reading through her list, like, it, it didn't... Um, upset me I was really blessed to go hey how, how lucky am I to receive this and improve on this and be aware of this um, but I think from someone who's really fucking close to me um, just peeling back and bringing to my attention some of the shit that I that I do unconsciously was like very confronting and it seems like you see that as a blessing but it definitely takes some time to be able to get to that point where your ego doesn't get spiked mm. or that, you know, defensiveness. Because a lot of people have defensiveness when it comes to receiving feedback or anything. I used to be like that. Mm. I used to hate getting feedback. Like, that wasn't the way I wanted it to be. Like, in my last company, if someone was giving me feedback initially or someone pulled me aside, that wasn't in my company that was giving me feedback on something, I used to be really reactive to that shit. And be like, oh no, no, like that, like that's it didn't that's not right because I was having a bad day. Yeah. That's why I was angry then, or that's why I went off then. Yeah. But now I just think feedback's brilliant. Like feedback's fucking amazing if you can embrace it and just look at it for what it is and be like, you know, um, this is an opportunity to 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 hear someone's perspective. It may be right, it may be wrong. Um, it's how they feel, and if it's valid, what can I do to improve? I think it's brilliant, but it, it took me a while to kind of get to that. You know, I, I do that um, <laughs> weekly. So we have something that's if something's annoying each other in, with my boyfriend, um, we will literally weekly like we have like a family meeting the two of us, um, and we have it's very structured in terms of the week. But also we have if something's annoying us, we will say it then and there, and it can be su- such small things. But there's also the analogy of like a tap dripping. If you don't say anything, you can't assume the person knows as well. Um, So then you can, if you're unconsciously doing something, then there's an awareness there. Yeah, the tap dripping is a really good um, analogy. I think communication is what kills everything Mm. in the workforce, your partner, your family, just the lack of communication. And so what I've I've learned just as well to become better at, just calling shit out and just especially like with the buyer's agent you know um role if you're working with a client and let's say the client's not getting back to your emails where you're trying to put forward a property mm. or they're not returning your, your text or your call in a suffic- sufficient period of time it's like calling it out hey like i need you to get back to me within this time frame i've got a, a level of relationship with this real estate agent that i've got to get back to out of courtesy which they wouldn't know the client wouldn't know and in order for me to get the like a right outcome for you like i'm gonna need to hear back effectively blah blah but a lot of buyers agents potentially wouldn't say that they wouldn't call it out they just would let it slip let it slip and then that would accumulate compound and then they're working with the client for an extra three or four five six seven eight weeks 
And so I think that's just an example, but communication, I think, is um, it's a hard one to do well, um, but it's a, it's a pretty sneaky little one which can change things quickly. And we don't learn how to communicate in high school. No. You know, it's not something that we're grown up to talk about. I actually read a really great book called Non-Aggressive Communication, and it talks all about, you know, communication styles. But let's dive into the Vise Agency. Why did you decide to create the Vise Agents Institute? Okay, so BAI started when I was at Cohen Handler. So it's not like I um, exited that company and then started this business. Um, why? One of my coaches actually at the time, Simon, he, I was in San Francisco and I was at Cohen Handler and we are brainstorming some stuff and I said, man, we're, we need more buyers agents in the industry. Like I said, it's like not moving quick enough. Like it's too hot. Like the value prop isn't there. Like it's different to when I'm, this was like 2018. Okay. So like buyers agents weren't very well known still then. It was like pushing shit uphill still yeah. to a degree. So I was like, we need to create more awareness. Like we need more buyers agents and not enough competition. Um, we also need some recruitment strategies to start scaling the company more. And then we literally ideated um, BAI with one of my coaches. And another reason, good reason to have a coach. Um, so I started that business when I was a con handler and I started to see the traction that it was getting very quickly. First client was a guy called Trent Iverson, first customer. Smart guy, had a dog walking business, very successful. Loved property, loved it. And so he came through, started, and just started getting results. He's actually more a selling agent now, believe it or not, um, doing really well in the Hawkesbury. I think he does buyer's agent work still as well. And I started to see these results by these people who were like smart, not just like IQ, but like they, they were determined, they had good knowledge base, they were passionate about property. And so I started to get all these results really quickly. But I was focusing on what I knew was the bottleneck. I can't handle, like people, like you don't have clients, you don't have a buyer's agent business. If you don't have a, a constant pipeline of clients, you don't have a like a sustainable, I think really good buyer's agent business. And so buying property, I think is a, is a process. Like you can upskill obviously negotiation and sourcing and all that type of shit. But I believe that like sales and marketing is what we're not properly taught well at school, at university, like proper marketing, proper sales. So BAI, I felt like was this opportunity for me to kind of pass on intel and knowledge that I developed building a buyer's agent business that I felt was fundamental to the success path of these people and shit that's not taught at school. Because when I started Cohen Handler, I didn't come from a sales background, never sold properly i'd never run a business i'd never worked in like traditional like real estate like you would look at my scorecard and be like this dude's gonna fucking he's gonna crash i was in an industry that no one in 2009 knew what a buyer's agent was people used to think i was an art dealer and i used to look respectable i had short hair i had suits on people thought like buyer's agent was an art dealer so if you were to look at me thinking no sales experience no business experience um never worked in like traditional real estate never worked as a buyer's agent getting into this niche industry that no one knows what it is in Australia, because we weren't the first, there was people, but no one knew what it was. You'd think this, this, this guy's going to fail, right? But I took the opportunity to become really, really, really deeply focused on sales and marketing. Like buying property, I, I was, you know, learning that, learning it, learning it. But that to me wasn't the hard part. Like 
you know, there's a lot of skill, but like basic levels, you can go to real estate domain, find property, call agents, text agents, have chat. Like you can learn that shit pretty quick. There's a skill obviously to get good results for clients for sure. Like hundred percent. But I felt like the bottleneck for me was sales and marketing. I was like, I suck at this shit. Like I suck. Like I'd get into a meeting and I'd talk too much. I wouldn't listen well enough. I had no structure, had no follow-up process before the meeting. Like my, before the meeting, I was just turning up. After the meeting, I was like being a pest. When do you want to sign up? What do you think? And so once I started to understand that game and I had a burning desire and a vision of what I wanted to create, it just started to flow. So BAI for me, it's not just about helping people become good buyers agents. I'm tr- I want to transform people's fucking lives to get them out of the nine to five, to get them out of this prison that they're in, that they're incarceration. And they've all got a lot of these people, very good skill sets. So getting back to your question, it became a passion of me, of mine very quickly to see, hey, I can add value to these people beyond be- helping them become a buyer's agent. I can help them like transform their lives. Like I did, I got out of the corporate world, became a buyer's agent. I can help these people do it. Um, and so that's what it is. That's amazing. That's what it is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to go. No, all good. <laughs> um, yeah, I love that. Like the mission of like that you have. So getting people out of the nine to five, that's your current big vision mission? Okay. Some people work really well in a nine to five and they like that. And I don't want to discredit that and say, oh, okay, you're, you're not good enough or I don't like you. Um. I think a nine to five is fucking limiting. For me, if, if I had to be told to come to work today and I've got to wear this fucking outfit and I've got to cut my hair and I can't have a beard or I've got to like, like I, I, I can't even comprehend what that would be like to think, like, I can't even think like that anymore. And so I think people who are born into this world have a talent. They're here for a reason. They were chosen to be on this planet to create and I think that it was in the manufacturing era when people started to work for people, like they started to just become employees. And I don't think the education system has really changed to help people find that creative flair, who they really are, what they, and they may want to be an employee, maybe not. So I'm really trying to help people discover who are passionate about property, whether they have a creative flair and whether they want to get out of their role or not with what they're doing. Most of them are employees. But I also do a part-time approach because if you go to the States, the US, there's many real estate people who do part-time. It's very normal, like very, very normal, like for a lady or a male who might list like five properties a year, right? It's even more normal for an entrepreneur to start a side hustle. So like give you some examples, like Phil Knight, Phil Knight from Nike. He started Nike when he was an accountant. Steve Wozniak, he started Apple when he was at HP, Hewlett-Packard. It's very common for these people to mitigate their risk and start a side hustle or start a a business to see is it going to work and they mitigate risk. And so I'm also trying to show people like, hey, you might want to become an investor-focused BA, not a primary residence, too hard to do part-time, you can't. But an investor-focused BA, why don't you just test it out and see whether you like it, whether it can work. Um, And that's been pretty fulfilling for me seeing people go through that process of iteration and test it they see it works they get comfortable then they quit their job which i think is brilliant 
And I think... Oh, <laughs> I was going to say, and I think it's great because you're creating awareness, right? There are so many people that are unfulfilled, you know, are in jobs, going to work every day that just aren't happy. Would you have any tips for someone who is living this life at the moment and they want to start to just uncover their passion, whatever that is, and start to think outside of the box as well from what they've been taught from university or school? I'll start by saying when I started BAI, I used to jump on the first, it was a startup, right? So I started the business and I used to just get on the, ph- the phone originally. Like, so someone like you inquired and you wanted to learn about the program, I'll get on the phone with you. So I came from corporate, then I r- was running Cohen Handler for like 10 years. So when I got into BAI, it's like an education business. It's a biz op, right? And so I started to hear all these people just tell me how they're, just how unhappy they were. Like, and after a year, I was like, fuck, like, this is crazy. Like, people hate what they're doing typically. Wouldn't say hate. Some do, like, very unfulfilled. Like, they're, like, dying inside. You can, you can feel it, yeah. right? And it could be financially driven. It could be they're not recognised. It could be their lifestyle is awful. It could be just they hate their, their boss or whatever it is. So there's, there's all these reasons. So... I learned that pretty quickly and that was a bit of a real, I didn't realize, like I just wasn't aware of that, that everyone might not like their job. So that was the first step. The second step, and obviously to answer your question is, it's pretty, you're pretty deep when you're working for someone in terms of the program. So it's a bit of a process to untangle. Like I don't want to say it's easy because it's fucking hard. I, I left because I got made redundant, GFC. And I, I, in fairness, I don't think I would have left right away and I, and I wanted to get out. But I think some tips, right, is you want to work out what you really fucking care about, number one. Like, what do you really care about? Like, is it property? Is it technology? Um, is it consulting? Like, what do you really care about? So once you get clear on what you care about, you need to then look at your, your skill set. Like, what have you got? Like, if, you don't, if you're not good at sales, like I didn't have a sales background, but could you be good at sales? Um, are you good at marketing? Are you left brain? Are you coding? Like, who are you? And then when you want work out your skill set and you can stack that up, you then want to start exploring opportunities around what, what could I do with this? But most importantly to answer your question is most people build a business right like most people think about i i've i need to fit my business around my life like so if i work in the city i'll move to potts point in sydney like near the city as an example in sydney um like i'll live 15 minutes away from the city because i need to build my life around my my work so i think ultimately you want to think about the life you want so if you want to live on an acreage you want to live like out of the the craziness most likely you're going to need a remote business most people don't think like that. They go fucking work in an office job and then they want to go, and they want to live in an acreage. Like, buddy, you can't do that. Like, you haven't thought about it properly. So you want to get clear around the life you want to live. I think this is the most important thing. What life, because most people don't think like this, what life do you want to live, not negotiate on it and build your career around that? How important do you think it is to believe in yourself and your ability to create that life? I think... I think it's sometimes hard for people to, to have a realisation of the life they really want to live yeah. 
took me a long time to work it out. But to get to your point on believing in yourself, I think that like you need to have some level of belief. Like I think it, I think that's I think a lot of people, including myself, doubt ourselves. There was a study done on some billionaires about like why, like why are they fucking billionaires? Like what's the what's the correlation between these crazy people who like do so well? And I think from memory, it was like the fear of failure. From all of them, they they just keep thinking they're going to fail. And so when you say belief, like it's not, I I believe these guys are confident, these males, females, whoever, I think they're all confident and I'm confident at times as well. But I think we doubt ourselves a lot. So I also think it's healthy to like not have that always that full belief. To be like, maybe I'm not going to cut it. Maybe I'm going to get outrun by my competition maybe um this is gonna and that and i think that then keeps us on our toes more yeah it pushes you forward it drives it yeah so i think you need like a level of belief but i don't think you can be over too overly confident where you live in this unrealistic world and you just you're narcissistic and you think you're too good and you get complacent because i think i think you'll lose i think the universe will humble you yeah the universe will humble you that's right and in your experience with people coming through um, the knowledge base, how do you find people have been able to take that leap or find that courage or even within yourself find that courage to take something that is a scary step? Mm. I think it's a bit of a cocktail of ingredients there. I think one is they're like, there's enough pain. They're just like, I'm fucking done like with this shit. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm done. And so there's, a, there's an element of like the pleasures outweighing the pain. There's that ingredient. The second is definitely success, like customer success. So like I've got a lot of successful students. I've got a lot of students who don't work out as well. But the successful students, they're pretty impressive. Like if you look at some of these results, like you'd be like, wow, like I can do that. So I think rather than me tell everyone how good I am and what I do and how good my material is and blah, 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 and like talking about me... I think them being able to see other people who have walked their path, yeah. like they may be, an IT, may be a girl in IT and she sees this other female in IT who kind of stepped out and did this part-time or whatever she did and then that gives that girl belief because yeah. a lot of them don't believe in themselves. Like getting back to your question as well, a lot of people that we speak to, the biggest problem for all of them is, is their lack of – it's the fear. They don't believe they can do it. They don't believe they can become an entrepreneur. They don't believe they'll make this work. And so when they see some outputs, some success, when their pain's strong enough, I think that those two ingredients like are enough for them to maybe like go, hey, I'm going to pull the trigger and just trial this. Yep. And it's just planting seeds. You know, if you see that girl from IT doing what you want to do, mm. it, it does help you feel like, okay, you know, that is possible. And she's an expander. We're big believers in surrounding yourself with expanders, people that can help expand your vision for what's possible. If you've grown up in a small town or with, you know, a mum and dad who made you go to university, you know, that's your belief. Mm. So it's about expanding what you think is possible. Definitely. Mm. So I've had people come through who I, you know, have to say, like I thought to myself, fuck, like I'm not sure this person's going to cut it. 
their English might not be great. And I learned a lesson early on, like my second year running the business. I, I don't want to mention obviously a name, but I had this dude and he joined and I thought, oh, should I be letting him in? Like, you know, is it the right thing like to do this? And this guy's got a seven-figure business now. Yeah, as a buyer's agent? Yeah. Seven-figure business. And, it taught, and he started doing well pretty early on where I learned my lesson. Like I learned my lesson to be like, hey, who am I to, who am I to judge? To be like, hey, I think that like girl or guy is not going to win. And so I'm all about everyone's got – everyone's – it's fair game. Yeah. Everyone has the ability to transform, to change their, their situation, to outperform what other people think of them. And they've got to take ownership and control of that. And I'm the person here just kind of steering and I've just got to allow them to, to shine yeah. if they want to. And you're creating those opportunities. You're creating these, you know, information, and then it's up to the person doing it to take action and to follow yeah. through. Yeah, like we get people like, oh, can you? What well, can you guarantee? Like, you can't guarantee shit. Yeah. Like, you can't guarantee them showing up every day. Yeah, like that's misleading. Like I always tell people, like they call me up if they, back in the day, like, oh, you know, what what can you, like, basically guarantee I'm going to do? Like, but I can't guarantee your fucking life. Yeah. Like, I can't guarantee you're going to wake up tomorrow. I can't guarantee you're going to go to the gym. I can't guarantee you're going to put in the hours. And so I think people want a magic pill. Yeah. People unfortunately want that magic pill, whatever you want to call it, that they're going to swallow and then life's going to be fucking great. And I think that people want the good life, whatever that means for them, whatever that means. But they, a lot from what I've also learned, they're not prepared to do the work. That when, when it push comes to shove... That's bad habits, lack of discipline, lack of vision and clarity. They don't show up properly. And then they blame. They become the victim. Yeah. And everyone's the fucking problem. But they're the biggest problem. And one day, hopefully, God bless, they'll, wake, they'll, they'll work it out in, in this lifetime, you know. Some of them don't. That's our mission. And I truly believe that we're so incredibly powerful. You know, we have all the wisdom inside us. We all have our own unique purpose. And I just think it's planting those seeds and then people start to unlock that. And then one day they start to take that action. Yeah. I, yeah, hopefully they take, you know, like yeah. you, I've also learned that I used to push my shit onto people. Like I wanted someone to meditate. Yeah. I started meditating like when I, when I started my last business because um, I started getting rashes on my face and I was working hard and my dermatologist is like, dude, you got to chill. And she's like, go do some meditation. I'm like, no. And she's like, trust me, ex-Macquarie banker. So I kind of resonated like corporate. Went and saw her, started meditating. So then I started pushing my meditation shit onto people. Like, hey, oh, you look fucking stressed. Like, you should meditate. Hey, do this, do that. Hey. And so what I learned was getting back to what you were saying, like, I'm more gentle now. Like, yeah. if, if, you know, like, I don't really tell people, I know you probably heard that I, I don't drink. Like, I don't really talk about it. I never really bring it up. If someone says, do you want to drink? I'll just say, no, I won't say, hey, I don't drink. Um, because I don't want to push it onto people. I just woke up one day and thought, fuck it, I'm not drinking anymore. It's ruining my performance. I sleep like shit. I eat like shit. And um, it's a gateway to other shit. And if you look at all the, the problems going on in the world, a lot of it's like drink driving, this person's drunk, hit this person, did this thing. And so somehow I had the wisdom at 26 whenever I was somehow to be like, let's cut that shit out. I don't want to push that onto someone. Yeah. Like I tell people it's the best decision, one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. But I don't want to sit there saying, hey, 
Sienna, you got to like fuck. Why are you drinking tonight? Like you should like. I'm like no, no. I want to be that person. <laughs> I'm like you're gonna have to work that shit out. You should drink tonight, and you should wake. I'm not gonna say this, but you should. You should, and then you should wake up tomorrow morning and feel like shit, and then keep working out how much you want to deal with that. How did you at that age start to not drink? So I didn't drink for two years, and when I went out, it was I started just saying. Not like no or getting like a soda and lime that could look like something else because I'm still more than happy to be in a social scenario but it's almost like the people wanted you to be drinking with them Mm -hmm. Um, but I was confident enough for that to be fine and I guess that's also around like then determining who's in your circle and who's not but at that age I guess for anyone that is potentially wanting to take that leap what would be your tips to them looking back reflectively of how you did that? I was unconditionally committed to to quitting alcohol. So what that meant was I'm cutting fucking people. Like if you're if you're on the, if you're a pisshead and you want to keep meeting at a pub, like fuck off. Goodbye. Like so that's how committed I was. So the level of focus you have to have is you won't compromise. So I cut a lot of people. Had to stop hanging around with them because they wanted to drink and I didn't want to drink, which was challenging. You know, it's lonely. You're not going out as much. Um, So that was challenging, but that's what you've got to do. Effectively, unless you've got the willpower to keep showing up every night at a bar with your friends and just not drinking. I didn't do that. Maybe that would work for someone. I used to get shit like paid out by bartenders i was in sydney i lived in sydney i used to live in the city and i was at bondi i remember i going to this bar once up in um south bondi and i was at a party or something like and i said oh can i get some you know some water and the bartender started taking the piss out of me right but that's cool i'm just like you know they, they like these people don't get it um that's okay they're like they're allowed to think like that and so you've also got to be there's a lot of peer pressure like i was pretty young at the time but i don't know what it's like now but people give you shit in Australia. Like drinking is normal. Mm. Like you're supposed to drink. It's like the culture. That's what you do. Let's go get a drink. Let's grab a wine. Yeah. So as a guy, I don't know what it's like for a female, like you, you, you get a lot of shit from people. I did from friends and stuff. Well, I think you have better quality interactions with friends because you plan different things together that are more aligned with your, the future version of yourself that you want to be as well. And then you're mm. having better conversations with them as well. I think so. That's right. With the right people. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, but it's challenging. I think like that was a challenging thing for me to kind of break into. So would you, what would be your top two tips for someone that's, they've got a spark in them that they've thought about it. Sober curious. So yeah, that's a word now. Sober curious. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you've got to get clear on why you're doing it. So like, that's the, like, you know, like if, if you're looking to lose weight, right. If your why is not strong enough, you're not going to fucking lose weight. But you might do it for like six, for three months. It won't be sustainable because your why is not strong enough. Like my why for drinking was strong. I haven't probably drunk in like 10 or 11 years. Wow, that's a long time. Maybe 11 years. Mm. I drank once in Israel when I was at my brother's wedding, but I forgot about that. But that was once. So I, I've drunk like once because my why is so strong. So number one is like you have to – be unconditionally committed to what you're doing, right? Um, number two is you've, you've got to be prepared to lose. If, if your circle is on the piss heaps, 
you got to be willing to lose them. Like, do you stop engaging with them? That's just the price you pay, I guess, for a healthier, more aligned version of yourself. And Correct. I also think that when you, you're talking about something and then you actually take the action and you do it and then at a point you're then like essentially embodying who that person is because you've become them without pushing it on someone else, you almost create that ripple effect in them for them to have an interest and they can see it's possible. Um, so it's more you embody it and then the circle around you or people you interact with can then see it's possible as well and then they potentially join in as well. So yeah, I like that. So you have mentioned some words, so zero compromise and discipline. Mm. What do these words mean to you and how do you, I guess, show up every day do you just have really clear boundaries with yourself on what zero compromise means with different values? Um, discipline. Discipline's a shortcut. I think it's on my Instagram. I saw that. It's a shortcut. Most people don't realise that. So that's the way to win. Um, well, that's my way of winning. So what's discipline? It's like it's, it's, it's doing the boring old things every day. Every day. When no one's watching... You're doing the, the, the boring things that you're like, fuck, I don't want to do this, but you just do it. Going to the gym, the things that make you a better person. Correct. Gym, could be ice baths, could be cryo, could be, um, I know it's not boring, but like just doing things that you feel like aren't very, like actually quite strenuous, especially, um, and that require your time because time's valuable, right? So I think what you want to do is, you want to get clear on your daily habits on like what's fully not negotiable. Like for me, I surf every day when it's on. Like there's, like there's no surf today, thank God. But if it's on, I try and get there every day that it's on at some stage, typically in the morning. So I think you need to find a hobby. I, I found that out from one of my coaches because I used to be obsessed with work, like addicted to work, totally addicted. Like it's all I cared about. It's my whole life. So I had no hobbies. I did yoga, but it wasn't really a hobby. I was quite good. Like it wasn't, didn't really feel like a hobby. But I think I'm kind of digressing, but I think having a hobby is really important. Like something you fucking really like. Mm. You genuinely like it when you're doing it. You're not thinking about work. Work's the last thing you're thinking about. I think like bringing that into the discipline is powerful. I think it's like a really powerful thing to integrate into what you're doing. So if someone in their day, so some days you wake up, you've got that 110% energy, you're motivated, the things that are challenging are easy that day. What happens on the days where you wake up and circumstances aren't easy, um, you've made a, um, things that are non-negotiables and it's getting to later in the day, um, some people might be like, oh, push that to tomorrow. How do you make that discipline switch in? And mm. what could you, I guess, say to the audience about that? Like, how can you continue to have your non-negotiables? Um, that's it's hard. I had a shit week last week, like a fucking bad week. So no surfing. Didn't exercise as much. I got my ice baths in. So my my routine changed last week. So some weeks I think you've got to be okay with sometimes it not going to plan. It wasn't going to plan for me. I was getting up at three. I was just rattled with things so I think you've got to be okay sometimes that like if it doesn't work out you've just got to have um, faith that it's going to 
move through rather than resisting against it. Like just go with the flow and be like, hey, I'm feeling like shit. I'm just going to fucking just go with the flow today, okay? So I think that's a big thing for me. Um, but I think what's important to do is like for me, if I'm having a shit day, this is why I did ice baths last week a lot. I got them in. Is it, that resets me. So if I'm really stressed, if someone's pissing me off, something's happening, and I'm tense, I'll go ice bath, right? It resets me. I, my, it shifts my energy for me. For me, That's my go-to. Secondly, I get a massage every week. Every single... I've been doing that for like eight years. Every week I get a massage. Getting the massage is a game changer for me because I carry a lot of stress. Like a lot of my stress sits in shoulders, neck, like pretty intensely. And... Like stress does go into the body. Like sometimes it goes in people's legs, it goes into their hips, it goes there. Like for me, neck, shoulders, right? That's a massive release for me. Like massive. Like it's a it's a game changer when I do that. So I've got those two vices that I know. Ice baths I can do daily if I want. Massage I do once, sometimes twice a week. Um, I think what you need to what's what's works well for me is you've got to like change your state. Like you've got to. Do something. Some people run. Some people might go for a surf. I don't surf when I'm rattled. I actually doesn't it doesn't work for me. I can't surf. I won't do it. I don't even think about it. But I think you need to work out how to get out of your head. Like if you're stuck in your head and something's not working, the route that the day's been thrown out of plan. Some people might meditate. Some people might do a breathing exercise. Um, I think you need to work out what that jam is for yourself, where it actually fucking works stick to it i love that changing gears you've been in you're an investor property investor yep. you've got properties you yep. bought your first property um when you were young yep can you what do you think of the current market at the moment i don't actually i tell people openly like i'm actually not really across the market mm. in, across anywhere in australia to be honest with you like i am looking to buy something again in, in sydney so I'm starting to familiarise myself with like Bronte, Tamar and Bondi because I'm looking at getting something there for when yeah. we go home on the weekends and shit. So I'm learning about it. Um, we live in Byron, as you know. Yeah. So we bought there last year. And I'm slowly learning that market. But I, I don't know it very well. Like I really don't. So I'm actually not across the market. What I'm pretty – like my, my perspective is this. Like I'm surprised that sub one million – like a lot of the guys in my group, they're investor-focused BAs – Obviously, rates have, like, doubled. Yeah. I'm just surprised that, like, the investment market sub one is pumping so hard. Like, I'm, I'm, I, I can't – I didn't think that was going to happen where people who are on, you know, whether they're on modest or quite nice, good salaries, whatever, like, they haven't been affected by serviceability. Yeah. Uh, and the, 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 the sub one market regionally, so be specific, regional, like South Australia, Southeast Queensland, um, WA, fucking pumping – like, it's pumping. Like, it's kind of like, I think it's, like, more pumping than what it was in the crazy time, like, a year and a half or two years ago. Which is hard to believe. Yeah, and the media doesn't talk about it. Mm. So, that's an observation that I think is, I was, I was quite, I'm like, oh, my God, that's insane. Um, I also think it's nice that the market has cooled a bit. I think it was really stupid before. Yeah. And it was just a bit unnatural. And so, I like seeing the market normalise a bit and people making smarter decisions and thinking more clearly and... um. But in terms of my um, my outlook, I always tell people, I don't fucking know. Like, yeah. 
I can tell you that I think next year the market rates are going to go down in March and the market might rally, but I'm like, I'm not the crystal ball. And, and we don't have a crystal ball. Yeah. Anymore, so. Yeah. But um, I think I think it's exciting just to kind of do your own research and not follow someone else's investment strategy. Yeah. Look at like what's your investment strategy and what's important to you. Like just because someone's buying cash flow positive properties, like if you've got a good cash flow situation, you might want to do more capital growth focused properties. Yeah. So don't follow their path. I just think people need to also follow their own path. And then just spend the time to get really quiet and work out what they actually want. You know, when you're looking at purchasing property, it's like you know, cash flow or whatever it is, but it's like, okay, well, what do I actually want from this? What do I want the next 5, 10, 15 years to look mm. like? And then actually reverse engineer that and buy property from that. 100%. So. Spot on. Mm. So if there was a person going to look to buy property, what three attributes would you say they should look for in a buyer's agent? question the three key attributes well you need to break it down so if you i think if you like let's just say like we're in burley now okay if i was looking to buy a home to live in in burley like so primary residence and investment i think are two different things i think buyers agents can be very good at both but i also think they're two different things so if I was like in my situation to say looking to buy a home in Burley to live in, I would want like a Burley specialist, like someone who fucking knows Burley back to front. They can name me all the streets, good streets, bad streets, like standard blocks of lands in most streets, who are previous owners, like typically like why did they sell um, their agent relationships are just second to none. Um, so I want to make sure I'm dealing with that style of just person. So attributes would be best best um, person who has the agent relationships. That, that's a non-negotiable. They've got the most outstanding level of rapport and transactional history with the real estate agents. Why? Because I know those agents are going to favour that buyer's agent. I know that buyer's agent is going to get access to the most stock, off-market, pre-market, post-market, on-market, I'm going to get first dibs. So that's, that's probably number one. Number two is the product knowledge. Like, their product knowledge has got to be the fucking best. Like, they need to tell me why that home sold last year for, for 40 grand less and why the home last week... that They're not involved in, but why that home last week sold for 150 grand over. Like, I need to know why. Was that buyer from Melbourne? They didn't know what the fuck they were doing. Like, I want to know everything about it. So their product knowledge needs to be outstanding. Third attribute for me is I want to enjoy working with the buyer's agent. Like, there needs to be, like, a personality match. Do you know what I mean? Like it could be, a, it's, an, it's an emotional journey in the example that I gave you doing Owner Rock. Um, so I want to make sure like as a per, like they're, 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 they can empathise, um, they've got good communication. Um, like I want to make sure that their personality traits and their professional traits match mine. So I actually want to speak to this person regularly. You know, it's like sometimes you engage someone yeah. and you're like, fuck, like, like you see their, their number on your phone yeah, and you're like... Busy ghost that person yeah our goal is for any client to be excited to see our call yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) that's so yeah you want to make sure you really want to like work with them um i think things like trust like that's just natural like you need to like you need to trust who you you, you. big purchase right yeah so i think that like i don't look too much for experience 
like like I don't I don't play an experienced scorecard. Mark Zuckerberg wasn't experienced at running fucking social media networks. Yeah. Okay, like a lot of these that a lot of these entrepreneurs they don't have some of them don't have never got a track record in the niche they're entering into, in the product they're creating, in the service they're providing. Like a lot of if you look at some really outstanding entrepreneurs, a lot of them don't have it. Some of them do, a lot of them do, but a lot of them don't. And so for me, I'm ultimately looking for someone who I think is not going to just work so hard, but they're going to work the smartest. They're going to be the most creative and they're going to do whatever it takes to get me my output, whatever it fucking takes. I prefer that person over the buyer's agent who's been around for 15 years who tells me how fucking long they've been in the industry. I don't give a shit. And then <laughs> on another side um, with real estate agents on the seller side – a lot of real estate agents are open to creating relationships with buyer's agents. However, how would you recommend a buyer's agent does seek out those relationships with real estate agents? There's a few things to this, right? Um, From my perspective. One is you don't want to be a pest. So when you seek out relationships, it's like, you know, if if you're in a bar and there's a guy and he's just becoming a fucking pest and just annoying you, like, and trying to pick you up as an example, right? You're like, oh, fuck off. Like, in, in a nice, like, you kind of, like, get away. Like, you, you're, you're intruding on my space. You haven't been respectful. You, you've kind of just, you're just, like, imploding on me. So I think that the first and foremost is you want to take time to build rapport with an agent. Like, you want to, it's a progressive process. It's like building a human relationship. You've got to be patient. You've got to think long-term. That's because a lot of buyers agents, I think, don't do that approach. They think short term. They want referrals. They want to become the preferred buyers agent. You haven't earned your time yet. Yeah. Okay, so long term um, perspective. I also think um, I think you need to demonstrate your capability. Like you need to demonstrate your competence. Like you need to show that you can transact. You need to show that you can carry a process. You can work with a client. You can get a deal. You can. You need to have, I think you need to start to build a track record. You don't have to originally, like starting off. There's going to be agents who want to back you, who want to work with you for sure, but you have to have this mindset where you want to develop a track record. And I think thirdly is it's all about what can you give them as well. A lot of buyers agents want to take, 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 like referral, um, give me off markets, give me this, give me that, give me this, give me that. What can you do for the selling agent? Like what can you do? Can you help them out? Like I don't know what that means or what that looks like, but also make it reciprocal where you're um, adding value to them. Lastly as well, a lot of buyers agents, I think, go through properties and don't give feedback. They walk through the property, they walk in, they run around, they walk out. You want to be the first buyers agent who's calling back the agent saying, hey, I think you've priced this correctly. I think it's fucking spot on. You're going to nail this. Well done. Um, Good luck. My client's not going to meet this for these three reasons. Quick, honest feedback, be the first buyers agent to call back. So you want to be the buyers agent who the real estate agent thinks, this person is a gun. They're so efficient, so organized, so proficient. Like they're just, they're so on top of everything. Um, so I think you also ultimately want to be the purple cow. You want to stand out from all the other people through basically doing the basic things that most people can't do well. I think that's really important. And just going that extra mile, right? Like just going that extra 1%. And yeah. it makes all the difference. 
I was asking a, a real estate agent in Byron the other day. He's, re, he's a, he's a um, one of the best, one of the best real estate agents in Byron now, from Sydney. And I said to him, he's only been there two years, eighteen months. No. Maybe yeah, maybe eighteen months or something, or twenty four months or whatever. And I said, how have you become like number one so quickly? Do you know what I mean? Like, what is it? And he said to me, I'm just doing the basic shit. Mm. Calling back people quickly. Calling back, like, just doing basic things. And I think a lot of people get complacent and forget about the basic little things. So I think you've got to do those really well. Even just returning a phone call. Yep. Doesn't happen as often as what, you know, it should do. 100%. 100%. What do the next five years look like for you? What do you have planned? I haven't thought that far, to be honest. Um, for me, I don't like thinking like too far ahead like that. Um, so some people it works really well, like they'll set 20 year, 10 year, five years. For me, um, it's about just continuously developing my lifestyle to have a fucking amazing lifestyle. Like, so my lifestyle is very sacred to me. So it's around just taking small steps every day, compounding little things to work towards just having um, basically a lifestyle where I just do what I want when I want, just at any time. Freedom. Freedom. Like just working towards that, um, that common, I guess, objective around, you know, time freedom, lifestyle freedom, work freedom, financial freedom, all that stuff. All the good things. All the good things. And in that, do you mind sharing some of the things in your lifestyle? Like I can see surfing would be one of the things that you make time for. Is there anything else that you're open to sharing that you're creating for you? Um, so we travel three times a year, but I want to like up that. Um, like maybe like go overseas like six times a year. So spend half the year like just kind of m more overseas and going to different places, like checking new cultures. I typically go to the same place all the time, mm -hmm. like same countries, like India and all these places. I go there all the time. So I want to just check new cultures. Like that's just have a different adventurous, like a different adventurous experience. So that's one. Um, two is, I think we are talking earlier, like building, we're building in like an agro food forest on our land, which is going to be like a 12-month process. Um, so yeah, being like self-sustainable is, is a, is a big thing for, has been a goal of ours for about two years working towards that. And then also just building good community around people, like just slowly finding people who are like-minded, who we, um, share, you know, a good discourse with good debate and just have similar values, like just slowly building whenever it's, it comes like that community out. That's really it. Amazing. And in your entrepreneurial journey, what has been your lowest point? Because I feel like this can help people understand that what you see on Instagram or socials isn't normally what's happening behind the scenes for some people. So just understanding that in entrepreneurship, there are low points. So what was that for you? Oh, there's a lot of low points. There's heaps of them. Um, are we good? We're good. Okay. Um, the low points come every day, I think, in different shapes and forms. Like they're disguised in different shit. Like they were in different costumes, I think. Right? Um, and so I think for me the low points, like probably hitting rock bottom for me was 
realizing the more money I made, like working to earn money, to put cash in the bank, to buy shit, became a very shallow place for me. I, I, I would say that I hit rock bottom there. Um, because it, it just, it leads to, you're miserable. For me, I was miserable. Um, you're anxious. I was anxious. I was frustrated. I was never satisfied. I was never happy. Like if you want to make a mil a month and you get to one and a half and then you get to two, like it just, the cycle just keeps going. So I hit rock bottom quite a lot around that. Um, and when I realized that there was other things that were important, I had to like really hit rock bottom and go through the pain of like just being unhappy. That then led me to go, hey, there must be a fucking different way. And when you were purchasing the material things, were you thinking me buying this will make me happy? And is that what then sparked in you, I guess, the self-discovery and self-awareness of what truly makes me happy? Um, yeah. Yeah. So buying shit to feel good. Like I've got still like some nice cars and some things. Like I, I don't – like it's not like I, I'm just like – shoes ever but like and I do look a bit homeless sometimes but I do appreciate nice stuff so I don't want to like like disguise that like I do appreciate like a nice car a nice home a nice watch or but I don't care about it that much anymore do you know what I mean like I don't like I'm not attached to it um but to answer you yeah like I used to buy all that shit because I was like unhappy like yeah constantly buy shit I think it's falling into the trap right, of like, oh, I'll be happy when. Yes. Or, you know, I'll be satisfied and successful when I've got this new car or when I'm living in my dream house, but then realising that happiness can be felt in this exact moment, mm. exactly as you are. Spot on. Intrinsic, yeah. Took me ages to work that shit out. And there's also a Buddhist philosophy around detachment. So it's, yes, you can have the nice things and I guess aspire to something like that because that's like the higher version of you and we live in a world why not experience those things but with detachment it's understanding that you get a nice new watch and it gives you potentially that sense of fulfillment or that sense of happiness for a period of time but that dwindles within a week yeah um so it's that real deeper feeling and that you're not actually attached to these material things for that feeling and you're not looking for everything outside of you for the answers and the happiness. Yeah. So hard. Like for me, it was really hard. Still, it still is a challenge. So I don't want to like negate that it's, um, it's an ongoing practice. For me, it is. And I think if you are caught up with buying material shit to make you happy, like you've got to work on it because I really don't believe it, it's going to solve the problem for, that you're going through. It's, it's just going to just um, fuel it. Well, it also goes a little bit back to like the nine to five as well. If you're working for the weekend or you're working for that holiday, you're not enjoying the day-to-day -day or the journey. And really all we ever have is the moment that we have right now. So being present now, it's like a moment-by-moment -moment situation kind of yeah. thing. So. Yeah, and it's true. Like all that stuff, what you guys are saying is true. But I also just think it's like you've got to work your ass off to, to, get, to, to try and live it. It's a, it's a daily practice, I think, like to try and be present. I always tell people at the end of the day, like, hey, do you remember you were breathing today? Most people like have not even thought that they were breathing. 
So just doing little inhalations through their, their nostrils or their mouth, whatever they're doing. Um, and that's because like a, a sign of when you're, when you're conscious of your breath is like that you're present. And so most people, including myself throughout the day, we're not present. And so it's incredibly hard to work at. Like the meditation to me is not on the mat, it's off the mat. It's the day. And so I think people just need, again, need to work out like how much do they care about it? Why is it important? Why do they want to be present? Why do they not want to buy stupid shit sometimes? And when you kind of get clear on it and you decide you want to do the work. You just have to start with being honest with yourself. 100%. 100%. And so how important has meditation, stillness, and I guess breath work been in your journey? Um, meditation used to be important. No, it's like used to have a much more importance to me when I started, when I had that rash and I started doing, I did TM meditation then I did like Vipassana, you know, the science retreats and all that stuff. Um, used to be very important. Then I stopped doing it. I've only started doing meditating recently. Like I went to a tea ceremony, like I said, last week. I went twice this week. They're now sitting. Um, I, I do, I do breath work most days. So I do alter, alternate nostril breathing. Um, I do... Kind of like not a, I haven't done Wim Hof, but I think it's a variation of Wim Hof, like through the mouth and out through the mouth. I do like a sequence for about 11 minutes. Um, breath works good for me. Like I love it. Works well for me. Um, I've got a deep appreciation for it. I know it's the, it's, it's the, it's the path for forward, right? Um, again, I wouldn't say it's burning enough yet for me to be like, hey, I want to, like, like I used to, I want to meditate every day. Hasn't hit, the, it's just not there for me yet. I find breath a mix of breath work and meditation hits that spot and definitely is a way of changing state as well, like yeah. mentioned earlier. So yeah. you going? No, I was gonna say everyone has their own tools and it's just getting really clear on what works for you and what doesn't. Yeah. So what we love to ask is looking back, what's one thing that you would say that changed my life? It was a pivotal moment. We've kind of touched on all of this, but just to summarize. There's only one word for it, and that's curiosity. Love it. Get curious. That's it. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was amazing to chat with you. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Yeah, thank you so much. We have loved having you on, and there's so much more value that you can give to our audience. So there is a YouTube that Ben has, his own podcast, and we'll also link his knowledge base as well with Buyer's Agent Institute, um, all in the show notes below. Everything. Thank you. Cheers.